I would like to welcome you all very warmly to this retreat here at Gaia House. My name is Yanai and this is Kirsten and we're both very happy to be here with you. We'd like to take a little time to just uh, reflect on what we'll be doing together for this weekend and uh, some of the framework and support for the practice of meditation and the, the retreat that we'll be sharing together. We'll be supportive for that. We'll take a little time to talk about that this evening. And just initially, my when I arrive and coming into this room, seeing many faces, something rather delightful, both in the uh, familiar faces amongst you and equally in the new faces, some of whom new to Gaia House perhaps, certainly some of you new to myself. And uh, you're all very welcome here. I'm happy that you've come to this, to this retreat here. And for those of you, particularly those of you coming to this or this kind of a retreat for the first time, of whom there are a number I kind of want to say at the beginning that what we're going to be doing here is something really normal and sane. It sometimes can look like doing this sort of activity is a bit unusual, a bit strange. And uh, in fact, something very natural about the, the movement in, in us that might just wish to find somewhere to land, to settle, to deeply connect with our life, with our heart, with our body and mind and with the world and those around us. So uh, I know there's a moment when one arrives in the meditation hall the first time and sit down and often there's a sort of like this whole bunch of people sitting there not doing anything. And if you've never been in a situation like this before, it can feel a little unsettling. So I hope that uh, by the end of this evening you'll feel reasonably reassured, if that is the case for you, that uh, you're in a good place and you're amongst good people. And uh, to be here on a retreat is, is to enter into something very special, to come to this place where people have been coming for, for many years now to practice meditation and to enter into a, a stream of, of human activity, of human engagement that is really been flowing through through generations and generations, born of a, an interest in life, an interest in understanding what's possible for us as human beings, what's possible for my life, for your life, for my heart, for your heart. And so, so being on retreat is really an invitation and an opportunity to enter more fully and more consciously into our life than is perhaps easy or even possible for us in the midst of the pressure, the demands, the, the many commitments and often challenging and conflicting priorities that we may have to juggle in the midst of our ordinary circumstance. So we come here, we have the opportunity to enter something more open, somewhat less encumbered by activities and demands. 
And so in that a retreat is not about somehow leaving our life or departing from our life, escaping from what we might hope or wish. But placing ourselves into a context in which we're really supported to be able to engage with what is most important in our life. So we're going to be here with the same mind, the same heart, the same body as, you ex- as we experience in our lives. We don't leave that behind. And the, the things that arise, the experiences that happen in our heart, in our body, in our mind, this is our life. All that we encounter, all that we can know, comes to us through this medium that we call body, heart and mind. In one way or form or another, everything that we experience in contact is received, we could say, mediated through this living organism. And so what we perhaps are retreating from when we speak about a retreat is the is many of the the ways in which we might spend our time that aren't so supportive to us. The reactivity and the patterns of activity that easily create a sense of an onrushing and pressurized momentum whereby we're seeking to get somewhere else, to become someone else. And here there's an opportunity to step out of that momentum, to allow ourselves to contact more fully where we are, to get to know more deeply and truly who and what we are, and equally to understand who and what we are not in terms of the, the teachings and practices of the Buddha Dharma, which will be the framework for our retreats, this is a central area of exploration, of interest. And so we'll be practicing meditation, and the teachings of meditation are something that are held within the context of a, a spiritual vision, a spiritual understanding. Meditation has become less of a sort of strange thing in our culture. Certainly Buddhism has become very much recognised and uh, familiar, it seems, in our culture. And I often find myself reflecting with some amusement on how different it is than 20 years ago. Um, just the very fact that in any um, garden shop you visit, it seems, you can find you know, any number of Buddhas as garden ornaments. Um, not necessarily uh, held in the same respect or reverence as one might find in a monastery or a temple. But nonetheless, there's a symbol, symbology that has come to be associated for many of us, and certainly in popular culture with the teachings of the Buddha, is pointing to something that represents peace and compassion and wisdom, different things, and are often associated with the idea of having a good time these days you can see sort of images of the Buddha used as an advertisement for cruise tours, you know, cruise ships and things like that. And I, I was most amused when I saw a picture of someone uh, meditating with handfuls of money in each hand, sitting in a sort of a cross-legged position, advertising mortgages. You know, get peace of mind, meditating mortgages. So 
meditation something that has sort of entered into the mainstream of our world. And what we're going to be engaging in here very much includes meditation, but it's not just meditation in isolation from something that I call spirituality. And one could use that language and be comfortable with it, or not. But I would, for myself, distinguish it from religion, not that I have anything against religion. I'm quite happy to tick the the Buddhist box on the census in a couple of days, which is probably what I'll do, because at least um, it's recognisable to the people who work in those categories that need boxes. Um, But for me, what spirituality is concerned with is the is, is an interest in the, the nature and the depth of the human condition and the dimensions of human experience that are available to us. Whereas religion may or may not be engaged with that. Religions can sometimes be institutions and it's easy to feel a little cautious, hesitant or possibly uh, strongly resistant to anything that looks religious. And uh, if that's... Where one is coming from, that's fine by me. You're not required here in any way to sign up for Buddhism or sort of take on some dogma or some... You know, we're not going to be requiring you to sort of believe in some creed. But what we will be inviting you to do is to really look into your own life and heart and see what you find there that's of value, that's of importance. Because this is what lies at the heart of all true and authentic spirituality. Something born out of human experience that has at times been understood and transmitted through teachings and traditions such as that of Buddhism. And the the Buddha, who was a human being like ourselves, was a Someone who was really interested, it seems, at least from the records we have of his life and what he said. Someone who was really interested in his life and interested in what was true, what was real, what was important and meaningful and what was possible. And he wasn't content to just follow the the normal pathways that were laid out for him socially and culturally, but he was willing to explore, to go beyond some of the boundaries and to see for himself what was possible for a human being. And through the remarkable dedication, perseverance, the commitment that he showed over a number of years, he came to some remarkable and transformative understanding, which he shared with friends and those around him who were interested. And through that sharing and the the repeating or the cycling on of that sharing from one person to another, from one teacher to student to teacher, through practitioners and through the the generations from over two and a half thousand years ago to today, there's a sharing of something that's profound and beautiful in this world. And this is a teaching of, of peace, of happiness, of freedom and a path that we can engage in to deepen in these qualities in our lives, to be able to know more fully our potential, our potential to be at peace in ourselves and with this world, to find happiness in the very midst of and at times despite the the challenges and the struggles that we inevitably encounter. 
and to come to understand the true potential of freedom that is our human birthright, that is very much what we can know for ourselves if this is what is interesting, if this is what is important to us. And so this this is very much about following what is important to us, about looking and seeing. And it may be that some of what I reflect on here or speak about isn't what maybe most draws or moves you. It may not be why you've come. And it may. It's okay. Wherever or whatever it is that's moved you or brought you to be here, that's what's important. And it may be that it's something more immediate or simple in terms of just finding ease and peace in one's body or in one's mind. These are valid and appropriate things to be concerned about. And of course, it may not be that in the context of a weekend we'll suddenly discover that all the challenges that we'd faced in our life have been resolved, all the things we'd like to understand have been illuminated for us. And... um, you know, we can, that we can sort of tick off all the boxes that we came here with. For now, I'd invite you not to set up too many expectations about what may or may not come from this time. To really be in touch with what your aspiration or what your inspiration is, that's important and precious. But at the same time, leave yourself plenty of space to see what happens here, to be open to receiving what comes. One of the real foundations of these teachings and practices that we'll be sharing with you and exploring together is is learning to trust in the truth. The truth of our life, the truth of our experience and the truth of how things are. Coming to see that more clearly for ourselves and to align our lives with that. And through that deepening understanding and alignment. Really the the rich and wonderful potential of our heart, of our mind, of our life is, is made manifest, is made available to us more and more. And so what really lies at the heart of the engagement we'll be invited into here, we are invited to through spiritual teachings and practice, is the sense that we have that we care about life. We may care about different things. Different things may be important to each of us. We may also have, of course, shared areas of importance, and I trust there are many of those. But the very fact itself of that caring is something important. And There are lots of things you could have chosen to do with this weekend, I imagine. And you've chosen to come here. I don't know, but I feel like I'm on reasonably good ground that you're here because you care about something. Perhaps about meditation. Perhaps about your life. Perhaps about the life of those around you or this world. And you're interested to understand more fully how to express and to meet this world, how to express that care in a way that can make a difference 
And so this the sense of caring, I think, is really important to just acknowledge and to honor. Without it, really, spiritual practices would simply be gymnastics for the mind. They might be interesting, they might even be fun, entertaining perhaps. But without that, and I'm not suggesting that any of you here would be without it, but again, it's just something to come back to. Something that is very much at the heart of all of life. is the way in the sense that we, we care. And one of the aspects of being here together that is very much founded in that sense of caring is that we have the opportunity to create an environment, a community, essentially, of caring, of safety, of, of friendliness. And in the world we can often feel we have to be kind of quite careful. It's a slightly different expression, isn't it? We have to be careful because we're not confident, we can't be sure that others around us will be caring or that maybe we ourselves will remember to be caring. And caring here doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to have to look after everybody and sort of, you know, go around checking to make sure, you know, my neighbours are okay and all of that. But one expression of it that's really important that allows us to relax and to open is to, to have a commitment to not causing harm to others or oneself so far as one is able to. And I think in the opening talk it will have been mentioned to you that um, everyone here at Guy House takes the or is asked to undertake the five precepts or ethical guidelines, which are a traditional part of uh, the framework for meditation practice in, in Buddhist teaching. And these precepts, I think, and these guidelines are really important to understand in a way that's in alignment with what they are representing. Because really they are an expression of our understanding that we wish for happiness, well-being and safety in ourselves. And so too does each and every other person, each and every other being we encounter. And a a fundamental recognition of, of spiritual teaching is that if we care for our own well-being, then we equally need to care for the well-being of others. If we wish to be preserved from harm and from danger in ourselves, then we need to align ourselves with that by, so far as we're able, not causing harm to others. And so in that spirit, we can take on the precepts not as a series of injunctions or rules or sort of commandments that if we should um, fail to fulfill them, we will be somehow condemned to some form of punishment or rejection, but more out of a sense of, well, what would it be like if we were to live together in this way? (coughs) To live together in a way in which we refrain from causing harm or taking life of any being. What a beautiful thing that would be, to live together in that way. And so we can make that intention. And for some of you, this may, of course, be already part of your life, a commitment in that regard. And how wonderful. For others of you, perhaps hearing this kind of thing the first time, hopefully it makes some sense. But just for this time at least, I ask, and we here ask you, to undertake, to refrain from 
causing harm so far as you can. And of course, not expecting you're going to you know, come here planning to lay waste to your fellow beings in any way or form. It's unlikely. But just particularly with the smaller creatures who we might not notice underfoot or buzzing around areas maybe outside, just to respect their existence too. We also ask that uh, you refrain from taking or misusing things that don't belong to you and that aren't offered to you. So it's a way of respecting property because we all suffer when our things are mistreated or taken. Sort of, uh, There's something really lovely that one can leave one's bag in one's room and not have to sort of be too concerned about it because there's a, there's a shared understanding here that it's safe to do so. And that one's slippers can wait outside and we'll be there for one when one comes back. We don't go out and sort of think, hmm, where's the nicest pair of slippers? You know, Those woolly ones look good. I'll try those ones today. My feet were cold. And of course, again, not expecting to, that one is likely to do that, but you can sometimes notice our mind doing that. And so something about yeah, just respecting things. With regard to the third precept, sexuality, refraining from any form of intentional sexual activity while you're here on retreat, the, the precept is actually, in, in outside of the retreat context, to refrain from causing harm through our sexuality and to be sensitive and respectful in the ways we may express our sexuality. On the retreat, to refrain from sexual activity Activity in any intentional form, and of course, you might be thinking, "Well, there's not much chance of that. We're all in silence, and you know, how are you going to get to know anyone here?" Um, but the, we can notice how that energy can be very strong for us, very powerful. We can sometimes even just unconsciously be scanning the room, wondering, you know, who's interesting to me here in that way. And there's something about just allowing ourselves and everyone else here just to be human beings rather than having to be looking through that lens of wondering hmm, do I, don't I, will I, wouldn't I and equally wondering am I being looked at in that regard by others you know, hmm, that person looks rather you know, maybe they're interested, maybe they're not and all of that that goes on and just for now giving yourself the space to put it down and as an expression of respect for everyone here also, that sense of we can just be human beings here together and that doesn't mean that there's anything implied by way of judgment or sort of some kind of sort of religious morality about sexuality. Sexuality has its natural place in human life, and for those who find that as something appropriate and you know, why not? Wonderful, of course. It's not required, but it's certainly not prohibited. Just in the context of the retreat, holding it in a different way, which is to really give ourselves some space from it. And that really supports a sense of being with ourselves as well. The fourth precept is to refrain from causing harm through using um, speech unskillfully, through telling lies or um, speaking harshly and critically and harmfully to others. And in the context of the retreat, a significant um, way that we'll be holding and supporting that precept is through the silence, which... Kirsten will be speaking about in a moment or two. Um, but again, understanding that it's not a rejection of speaking, but using it skillfully and here, just being aware of the verbal activity of your mind, which is the precursor to speech. Before we speak, 
we think, concepts form in the mind. And being aware of what goes on there, particularly to notice, <coughs> is the content of what moves through our mind, is it true? Is it harsh or harmful or directed with some form of sort of violence at times, in anger or judgment? Just being aware of that and seeing, we don't maybe need to feed that pattern or tendency. We can begin to let it go. And the fifth precept that we ask everyone to undertake is to refrain from using alcohol or intoxicants. Substances which cloud the mind that easily lead to to carelessness and to actions that we later regret. Out of respect for consciousness, out of respect for the remarkable and precious human organism and the, the organ of life, we could say, that this body is and this mind is, to not to not be trying to influence it to be one way or another through the use of external or artificial um, substances. And having said that, of course, if you're using medicine for your for your well-being, then of course, and please do continue to do that. That's um, all form, forms of medication for physical and psychological support are, are quite appropriate and have their place. And so, please, uh, I'm not referring to that. It's more the sort of the the social recreational use of substances that we, for the time here, ask you to refrain from. And particularly because for some it may feel like that's, you know, why make a big issue of that? And yet it's not at all unusual that there may be some people in a retreat for whom getting some space from addictive or powerful substances is something really important for them. And there's a real lot of support and safety and being in a context where we've all undertaken that together. So so with that, there's, a, there's really an environment here and which we can allow ourselves to be open, in which we can feel safe, in which we can trust each other and ourselves. And that's really the gift of the precepts. It's really a precious gift. One could imagine how this world would be. What a different world it would be if even just one of those precepts was held and cherished by all human beings and followed. So here I ask you again that we we undertake this and knowing of course that that doesn't mean we do it perfectly. That there may be ways in which we, you know, Realize at some point, oh, that wasn't quite in alignment with uh, what I had intended. But the intention is what's most important, and we can always come back to that. And this is really one of the the foundations of the retreat. So uh, at this time, I'll pass the microphone over to Kirsten. A very warm, warm welcome also from me. And I just want to echo what Jana said at the beginning. I always, as he, he said, feel always very touched and moved when I come into this hall and I see all these people, all these humans, you know, either embarking on this path or continuing on it. And it really um, fills me with, yeah, with joy and happiness that there is something in you being attracted to find out, to discover, to do things slightly differently. 
or even give it a try for a weekend. So very, very welcome. Um, so I want to speak a little bit about silence. As you might have read in the brochure, all the retreats in Gaia House are held in silence. And especially for those who have done a lot of retreats, might be like this real sense of joy. Oh, God, finally, Gaia House, silence, retreat. You know, like real sense of, oh. And, and really seeing the silence as, as this wonderful, wonderful full tool to, to quieten down our minds and to facilitate and support our inner unfolding. And I find it really beautiful in, this, in the, in the um, scriptures that it's ennobling silence, a silence that ennobles us. And equally, some of you, especially if you haven't done it before or if you have a certain history with being punished by a silent parent or, you know, associating silence with rejection and, and, and a closing down towards you, it might be quite scary or it might get a feeling or might come with a feeling of desolation, despair, loneliness. Rather than actually, as Jana said, as an expression of care and love and nourishment. And it's really an invitation, if you might tend to see silence like this, to open up to the possibility that there's something else to discover. Not that it's wrong what you are feeling, or that you must now feel differently about it, but really just really bringing to this weekend, yes, a lot of care for yourself, but also what I find really, really helpful in practice to come with a lot of, of curiosity and playfulness. Or let's do it a little bit different like I used to do it. Let's see if there's something to be found out about. Let's see if I can discover something in an area where I thought I might know already everything about so if you see silence as something maybe heavy, get curious about it. And really encouraging you to give yourself as fully as possible. Really as fully as possible. Not with getting tied around it, but really giving it a try. Because if we approach it with a sense of, of openness... We can maybe see that something arises in this silence which we haven't known yet. That something can arise out of the silence which is deeply nourishing, which has a different quality of that what we are normally used to. And just imagine this relief, you know, you don't have to tell any one of these people anything about yourself. You know, you don't have to recreate any stories, who you are, what you're doing. But it's really a permission to just be as you are. And again, with this permission to let go of the stories we are telling about ourselves to others, again, maybe something can arise which we don't know. 
In the silence, you're more than welcome if it comes naturally. It's not that we ask you not to look to at each other. So in some traditions, it's really a very strong discouragement to even avoid any, any eye contact. This is not how, how we normally <coughs> mean um, silence in Gaia House. So you're more than welcome to have eye contact. If there is a smile, naturally arising smile, But also being aware, this might not be where the other person you're smiling at is at this moment. So again, seeing, you know, seeing the movement of a warm smile to the person arising, expressing it, and letting it go. And as much as possible, avoiding to fall into the traps of making any assumption and stories if you might be not, you know, don't get the response we want. And even if you decide not to make eye contact, if you decide not to smile at each other, you know, really being open to the possibility that we can actually deeply, deeply connect with each other without words, without the common ways of relating to each other. Another very important ingredient for a retreat environment like here in Gaia House is what I call is, is simplicity. And with simplicity, what I mean is really like when you look at the schedule, it's actually quite simple. What we will be doing is walking, sitting, walking, sitting, walking, sitting, eating, walking, sitting, walking, sitting. You don't have to make any decisions. And again, really, as much as possible, giving yourself as much as you can to the schedule and, and really maybe finding the joy, and as I'm sure that a lot of, of you, especially those who have, a, have some practice background, you know, finding the joy in the simplicity of it all. You know, it's really an invitation this week and is to declutter our lives a little bit. We tell you not to read extensively or if possible not to read at all. Or we ask you, we invite you. We invite you not to write a lot. And it's not because there's anything wrong about it. You know, it all has its plate, but it's really to just coming back to the, to the most simple way of being with ourselves and really, really allowing us to settle into this. So as a group retreat, we, you are not allowed to use a library, and it's really not because there are like this highly developed esoteric teachings you are not ready yet for, and you can't see them. It's really just to keep it simple, because very, very easy what we do is this tendency of, I just look it up, I just read, and we leave ourselves and we leave our direct experience And I can assure you, for most of this practice, what is to be found out, what is to be understood, is to be found in our direct experience, is to be found in our willingness to show up where we are without distracting us in any way. 
And again, giving it a try, especially if you do it the first time. You're being curious, be playful around it. So a very, very, very strong encouragement. We always, when 10 years ago, you didn't have to say this, it's so funny. It's like turn off your mobile phones, your iPads, your smartphones, your Blackberries. It's so interesting because we have all this, you know, don't take intoxicants, you know, don't drink alcohol. But I think a lot of us, we're actually addicted to these little gadgets to keep in contact. It's a real, it has a real addictive quality. Let it go. So world will continue without you. And if you have any important messages you need to let maybe your relatives and friends know that you are actually offline, not to be reached, be reached this weekend, please do so. And then turn it off. <coughs> and Jana always invites people that if they don't if they can't trust themselves to hand the phones to us, but I actually never received any phones yet. <laughs> so you can hand, you know, we won't use them, but you can actually give them to us. Yes, I'd never, re- you know, think it's too much to ask for. God, not my phone. <clears throat> so there might be at times, there might be a vibrating sound in the hall, which might sound like a mobile phone, but it's not a mobile phone. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a little machine, a retreatant has to, has to um, carry on her for medical reasons. So it's not that someone is not you know, obeying the rule if you hear this. Um, I once read, um, or heard and read a, a really beautiful quote, which I can't remember at all how it went exactly, by Krishnamurti. And it was, he was using the picture, you know, that we have to actually clean up the room, empty the room, and leave the window open to let something new come in. And I think this is really very much with the simplicity, with the silence, that's what we are doing. You know, rather than, you know, accumulating all this experience and and distractions, it's like actually we are really, really making it simple. And let's see, as I said before, what will arise without expecting anything specific, but really just open up to the possibility that there are actually different ways to be in this world. And I'm I'm always aware when we go through this list like the five precepts and then the silence and take off your foot, turn off your phones and don't read and don't write. It's a lot of do's and don'ts, isn't it? But it's really, as Jana said, it's really to create a nourishing and caring environment. It's not that we want to be here the headmasters and we won't police it. And also we won't you know, take any evaluations about your progress during this week and then at the end you get marks on it. Nothing. Nothing like this. It's really it's really an invitation to be as fully present to your life and to your experience as you can. And I always see meditation retreats as a permission on one level, like really a permission 
in this mad world at times, an encouragement to open up to actually what presents itself, what is actually here. You know, to to start to discover again with a sense of curiosity, you know, wanting to find out how do I actually operate? How do I function? You know, how does my mind actually work? Rather than being all the time already in it, acting out of it, acting in reaction to things. And during this weekend, you know, with very simple meditation instructions, we will be giving, really giving an opportunity to explore how how we live our lives moment by moment. And what we are under what we are interested in is, is to actually understand what leads to more happiness, what leads to more joy, what leads to more care and love and wisdom, and to equally understand what leads to more suffering for myself and others. And we might and we might not start to discover that we actually do have a choice. Even in situations, so we have a choice of leaning more towards well-being and happiness on, on one level, acceptance, and or leaning towards more suffering and pain, even in situations where it's not at all obvious. And we might see to begin to discover that actually the choice seems to be in the way we are relating to our experience rather than in the content of our experience itself. And this is something, like even if you get a glimpse, and I don't want to set you up, you know, or I don't see, but this is something extremely, extremely profound. You know, in our in our in our um, day-to-day life, we get a very different message. You know, we get the message. You know, we have to create the right conditions, and then we will be happy. Did it ever work? Works for some time, but then, actually, it fades. So for me, meditation, like when I look back, you know, in the years I, I, I did these practices, you know, it's a really, it's, it's a, really a, a more and more uh, deepening, I don't know if this is right English now, what I'm doing here, deepening, more and more deepening way of discovery which never seems to end, you know, the more the more I discover, the more there seems to discover, the more the more there opens up. And I really want to share this as an encouragement, you know. And it has to be nothing big. It can be very small. These little discoveries, these little openings, these little areas of space which we discover 
we can have around areas of contractions in our mind and heart. They are so important and not to dismiss them. And to watch out these little moments of spaciousness, of lightness, of relating slightly different can be really, really very, very profound and point to a real potential we have as human beings. So with the practices we are introducing this weekend, it's nothing complicated, no. And hopefully there are tools which actually foster more understanding. And they foster, you know, this is always my wish, especially at this time in our history, like that they really foster a different way to be in our world. Because I think it's so much needed. You know, that there are human beings who actually can be in a sane, <coughs> caring, compassionate way in this world. Very, very much needed. And the beauty of this practice, no matter where we are, at the right place. We don't have to be in any particular mind state, emotional state to start this practice. There's no wrong place whatsoever to start from. Might be a lot of joy, might be a lot of happiness, a lot of fear, anxiety, sadness. Start there. So there's nothing in your Nothing required from you, from your state of mind, your state of, 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 of heart. Nothing required to start and, and engage with this practice. What is required, though, is the intention and the motivation to start again and again and again. And we will remind you over the next, I don't know, 48 hours, a little bit more, Start again and again and again, and also to renew as much as possible again the motivation and the intention to actually show up to ourselves, to show up to our lives, to show up to our experience. You don't have to get anything from the outside. You just have to be willing to start where we are. Yeah, and I, I think probably a lot have maybe similar, uh, a similar aspiration or whatever aspiration or motivation brought you here. Again, as Jana said before, you might, might be quite different. But actually taking a moment of time before we start to actually really honor this and to really appreciate this in yourself. It's a very good place to start with. It's, of, it's a place of appreciation a place of honoring one's own good intentions. And if you wish, if you wish, maybe just have a look around and being aware that all these people around you come with quite probably really beautiful intentions and motivations and how beautiful this is. You can look around if you wish. <laughs> Oh, it's scary. <laughs> okay.
So, what um, I would like to do next is start with a very short meditation. Do you want? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, just before we do it, like take some moments, time to, you know, do any movement your body might like to do, any rolling of shoulders, any twiggling and shaking, any stretching, and bending. Just see what feels appropriate. And start again about actually showing up where you are and really taking a moment time to feel what your body really needs now. Might be something very different than you thought. Then slowly coming back, taking your seat. And really, maybe sensing into this phrase, taking your seat, can have quite some, I don't know what the word is, you know, what comes up for me in the moment, it's like it can have some dignity and some strength in it, you know, I'm taking my seat, you know, I'm taking my seat to be present to life. And I'm taking my seat. In openness. In curiosity or whatever might speak to you. And if you wish, at the beginning of this short sitting taking some deeper breaths if you feel moved to do so, just again to, to invite this sense of arriving and relaxing, of, of arriving here at Gaia House, of relaxing into your body, like breathing in slightly longer and breathing out, and really as much as you can relaxing on the out-breath. And how does it feel to inhabit this body right now? 
Is there any area of tension, of contraction? You know, really getting interested. How does it feel to live, to inhabit this body right now? And if there's any area of tension, you might want to wish to gently breathe into this area or maybe through it, just see what words work for you. And really giving the press like a soothing, relaxing quality. just spending some moments on your posture feeling the base of your posture the legs and bum touching the cushion or the bench or the feet touching the ground if you're sitting on a chair and your bum on the chair like really having this sense of the solidity of your seat, of its groundedness. And from this, your pelvis slightly tilted forward to allow the spine to actually straighten without you having to hold it. And you might want to Rock a little bit forward and backward and sideward to find this perfect place where your spine is poised on your from your lower leg going back, sorry, from your lower back going up. in a as relaxed way as possible. And if you wish, breathe in, bring your shoulders up and roll them down your back, you know, that your chest slightly opens. You know, it might be helpful to imagine that like your ch- shoulders are melting down your back. straight neck, the chin slightly tucked in to help straighten the back of your neck and your head poised on your neck. Really, if you can, having this sense of the solidity of your lower part of the body and the uprightness and openness and alertness of the upper part of your body, of your torso, your neck, your head. It's a beautiful combination, this groundedness and alertness, aliveness, openness.
which expresses in your posture. And if you wish, bringing your mind into position. You know, really, if you can, connecting with the goodness of your intention, with your wish for your own well being, and maybe for the well being of others. Appreciating this movement in your heart and mind. Then connecting again with yourself sitting here and finding the place in your body where it's the most easy for you to connect directly with your breathing in and breathing out. Might be the air entering your nostrils, entering and leaving your nostrils. Might be the movement in your chest area. might be the movement in your abdomen or it might be the movement of the breath through the whole body entering your nostrils going into the chest area going down into the abdomen just see where it's the easiest for you to have a direct sense of your body breathing connecting, landing with your awareness in this area. If you have problems getting a direct sense of your breath, you might wish to place your hands on your Abdomen, just really see if you can sense the movement there. On your belly, resting your hand on your belly and feeling the movement of the breath against your hands, hand. Allowing our mind to rest there, to land there. Where we feel the breath moving in our body. 
using the movement as an anchor to return to again and again. Offering maybe your busy mind the direct sensation of your breathing as a resting point it wants to return to. Like that's all you have to do now, just rest here, no thinking. Inviting the mind to come back again and again. Allowing ourselves to arrive, to settle in.
thank you for your patience. The evening is coming to its end. And again, really wish you a very fruitful and wonderful time here in Gaia House. And before we end, and you can finally go to bed or practice a little bit longer, Jan, I just would um, say some words about the schedule tomorrow. So I don't know if you've already seen the schedule for the for the morning. It should have been posted by now if it wasn't when we came in. I didn't actually look myself, but uh, we'll be having a wake-up bell at 6.30 and uh, a first sitting together from 7 till 7.30, which is 7.30 being breakfast time. And uh, just to say, for those of you who are new to this sort of situation, getting sort of in comparison to the sort of the monastic context where a lot of the tradition has uh, been held for the last uh, two and a half thousand years, getting up at 6.30 counts as pretty much having a long sleep in. So um, you can enjoy that. And it's always just a case of perspective, really, isn't it? You might think, hmm, it's a bit early on a Saturday morning, but from another perspective, it's like, wow, we're not getting up at 4 a.m. or 3. So, uh, so with that, we'd like to encourage you to come along to the sitting. If, however, it's really clear to you that you've had a, a very long, full and demanding um, week or life, um, or a particularly arduous journey here, and you need a little bit more sleep this morning, it's okay, it's not like we're going to come around looking in your room to make sure you've come. But at the same time, so there's some permission there to really respect if you do need a little extra rest, but a really enthusiastic, can I say, encouragement to come along in the morning and join if you, uh, as most of us, 6.30 isn't too early to be getting up. After breakfast, there'll be the work period at 8.15 till 9.15, and uh, it's probably mentioned by the uh, coordinator giving their opening talk but it's really important that you come along at the time that you've been requested to do so for your work period so that uh, there's many people to be shown many jobs all at the same time and it really makes it work a lot easier if you can be there for the coordinators to show you what they need to um, with regard to the jobs and the work and then at 9.30 after the work period we will come back again to the meditation hall and at that time in the initial period there will be again some further and um, full meditation instruction. And so it's important that you get there on time so we can begin with that at 9.30. And uh, so as Kirsten said we'll let you go very soon but I just want to check if there's any questions at a practical level about what we've spoken about, anything you need to know or resolve <coughs> before heading out. No, it doesn't look like it. Okay, good. Good. So, uh, yeah, if you want to take a little time to do anything you need to do to finish off the practical things of the day, that would be great. There were a couple of people who probably didn't notice that the form has two sides on it that we ask you to fill in. And I don't have the names, but if you just check the notice board on the way out, you'll see there's a couple of forms to be filled in with 
a name on it. So um, it happens every retreat, don't worry. Some people fill in one side, not the other. And so it's just useful for us to have the, the whole form filled in, if you could do that. And just you can pin it back up on the notice board with our name on it or um, put it in reception and they'll pass it to us as you wish. And if there's yeah anything else you need to do to be here, just to, to finish it off tonight, if you can. This last-minute phone calls, as Kirsten mentioned, uh, disabling your your cell phone. I'll say it once more. Text count as something we're telling you not to do. I was uh, we were we were. It's actually happening more and more. I just mentioned this again because I just thought of it. But it somehow seems like it it would just be a very small thing to check your text messages. I've regularly had people these days whose whole retreat was turned on its head by doing that. And it's something it's about really protecting yourself in a wholesome way, to just put it down. So I hope I'm not going on about that. I probably am. Anyway, yeah, those last-minute things to finish off. And then uh, apart from that, I'd just like to wish you a good night's rest and, a, uh, again, a, a, a fruitful and a beneficial time here at Guy House. So uh, may you all be well this evening and through this time. And... Uh, We'll meet again tomorrow morning.